0: Hey, Radcast is on.
1: And welcome to the show, Mr. Jim Zumbo. Gentlemen, I am pleased to be here, and I use that term loosely when I say gentlemen.
2: <laughs> Al Winder. Just want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us on a podcast for a little bit.
0: I am looking forward to it. There's nothing makes me happier than a colt in Minnesota. If I can't be out fishing, I should be talking
1: about fishing. <laughs> Hailing from Wisconsin, Jana Waller.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's Redcast. Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. Powered by Bow
2: Spider. Brought to you by PK Lures and High Mountain Seasonings. And now,
1: here's your hosts, Patrick Edwards and David Merrill.
2: All right, welcome to another episode of Ragcast Outdoors. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Edwards, and I think we have David here with us. David, are you there? I'm here. All right. So today... We're going to have some guests on that we've had on before. The last time we all hung out together, we had Mr. Jim Shockey on with us, which was fun. But I have Blake Fegler and Rowdy Anderson with me from the Muley Fanatic 10 chapter here in Fremont County. So welcome, fellas. Thanks, guys. It's another year, and you got another banquet that you're planning, and I know it's a lot of stress and it's a lot of work. But why don't you guys tell us what we can expect out of this year's County 10 Muley Fanatic Foundation dinner and fundraiser.
0: All right. So we got a heck of a night planned. It's going to be March 16th. It's going to be at the Lander Community Center. We've had it there for the past several years. Good place to have an event. Super nice facility. And, And it's going to be good. We've got a special guest coming this year. Cody Robbins from the hit TV show, Live to Hunt. He's going to come down. And along with that, he's going to bring some of his fine Canadian trophies, world record type stuff. For people to look at and put their hands on he'll be there just like jim was last year people have the opportunity to get to visit with him ask him questions throughout the night we've got a heck of a selection of firearms we've got a bows we've got lots of one-of-a-kind items for people to have an opportunity to purchase there that night yeah it's going to be an exquisite evening like we always say we're trying to offer up uh, for the evening and evening. People won't forget more of an experience than just a banquet. So that's what I've got for that. Whatever you think you should add to that, Blake.
3: Yeah, I think everybody that came last year, I think really enjoyed it. And I think good as it was, I think we had some things that we can definitely improve on. So any little hiccups we might've had last year, we've got all cleaned up. So it should be even better.
0: Yeah, and with them hiccups, I know last year there was a little bit of complaints about the line getting in the door. We've fixed that now. When you buy your ticket, you'll be issued a QR code, and as long as all your information's filled out there, when you get to the door, we'll have some people out there scanning your QR code. They'll scan it, and boom, you're right in the door. So we should cut the time standing outside
2: immensely. For people to sign up for the event, where do they go to get that information and just see what all's available?
0: So we should have this ready. If you go to... The website you're going to want to go to is 2024 10, the letter dot com. And if you go to there, it will take you to a portal where you can go buy all your tickets and everything that we have available at this time. You can purchase right there.
2: Perfect. So what's the food going to be like? Cause everybody always wants to know, Hey, if I'm coming to this thing, what kind of food am I going to get?
3: So that's Blake's department there. <laughs> Once again, we went with our uh, buddy James Bunker. Bunk's barbecue will be there again doing dinner. And uh, I think we changed a little bit from what we did last year with him, and I think we'll the same thing will be even better than last year, so.
2: That's awesome. Bunk's barbecue is delicious, so I'm looking forward to that. And what's the cost per person to attend this event? So, if you
0: buy a singles ticket, we've got the singles tickets right now. They're $150, and then we have Two different table options we've got a vip table option that's seating for eight obviously the best seat in the house come with some special gifts and swag those are two thousand dollars and then we have our reserve seating for eight which also come with some little special goodies on your table and those are 1500
1: good deal and guys this is something here on the podcast patrick and i always talk about conservation, North American conservation model, giving back. And I know this is your guys' one fundraiser for the year, but explain a little bit of what you guys do the rest of the year besides working your tails off to put this uh, evening on.
0: Yeah, we meet every month, sometimes multiple times per month. But, yeah, once we host these banquets and the smoke clears and we see what kind of money to spend, we we go to project allocation which is usually a month or two where we take in projects from the Fremont County and around the state. We run them through our committee and then we choose them and we start granting dollars and and cents here and there. Uh, But we're always doing something. It seems every month, every couple of weeks, we have something going on. Last year, uh, just to name a few things, we started a scholarship program, which will be eligible. The eligibility will be for Students from Fremont County will award two of those that started already. We did a Sinks Canyon sheet grass project. We funded that. That project actually won't take place until summer of 2024. We went ahead and funded that. We've had, we put up some outdoor boards in our local middle schools where kids can go in and hang up like a bragging board at the hunting store. It's really cool. We thought that maybe give kids a chance to have something to talk about other than playing video games. And that's been a big success, we still do the putting the U and hunt. Last year, we facilitated three of those. We did a hunt in the Saratoga Encampment area and the Dubois area. And then red desert elk hunt, we're doing funding to the U S 26 crossing still. It sounds like that's taken top priority now, so hopefully we can get that done soon. We're working on a potential partnership on a large-scale CWD research project, which would be done here locally in Fremont County. We just recently finished up our Mule Deer Summit, which we were taking public input, trying to put some proposals together to go to the Game and Fish Commission with, to let them know what the wants and needs of people here in Fremont County are on the Mule Deer And then I guess one last thing we did last year was we funded the grand prize for the big bull contest here in Riverfin for the youth category. So I I think we've been pretty busy. What do you think, Blake?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you really missed anything. And um, the biggest thing is that we're actually turning around and spending people's money in Fremont County back here in Fremont County. I think that's the biggest thing to to reiterate on is that your dollars are being spent in your backyard.
2: What's the number one priority for you guys going into this next year? Obviously the, the crossing up around Dubois is a big deal, but what are the top priorities of your organization in the County?
0: I think that the, some of the top priorities that we see, especially after we had our, our input meeting the other night, people are very concerned about CWD. I think we need to take a, uh, different approach on on that. People want to be very way more educated. Uh, they want up to the minute uh, details on what's going on. I think that's going to take over, but that's the beauty of what we do. Like Blake said, we're spending money in, in, in our own backyards and we're doing projects that people find merit in. Habitat projects is always a good one and research. We asked that question the other night to the people that came out to the meeting and there's a lot of people that still would like to see us doing some research projects.
2: Yeah. Talk a little bit about the cheatgrass thing, because some listeners may be like, what the heck is cheatgrass for one thing? (laughs) But explain about cheatgrass, why it's important for us to remove cheatgrass from the landscape and, and what you guys do in that project. Gotcha. You want to take that one, Blake?
3: Oh, yeah. You look at how the landscape's changed over the last 100 years or even 50 years. Cheatgrass is one of those things that has really taken over and it's a negative effect on the landscape just due to the poor quality of forage for the animals. It likes to choke out any competition as well. It's getting rid of the good forage, the native grasses. It's a non-native grass that's taken over and it really doesn't provide any benefits to the landscape at all from wildlife or even livestock producers, really any benefit at all. And up to now, there's not really been a whole lot of solutions as far as how to get rid of it and how to mitigate it. So that's some of the things that they've started doing aerial spraying and trying to get a hold on it before it gets even worse. Cause it is definitely a big problem right now.
2: Yeah. And it's for those of you who may be still wondering what it is, it, it's the kind of grass that if you walk through it and you have tennis shoes on or s- socks that are exposed, the seeds of it get stuck. And your the other thing about it is it's an annual grass so it grows back by seeding and it does a really good job of that and that's why it outcompetes other grasses is that it'll sprout sometimes even in the fall like the seeds will fall you'll see a little green carpet start to appear where it was at and then by the time spring rolls around it just shoots up and it takes over the area but i know it's been a concern not only in sinks canyon but around the whiskey mountain area and other places like that, because the Bighorn Sheep Foundation's been dealing with it too. And I think everybody across the West is trying to figure out cheatgrass. Talk about some of the other projects too, because it's always good for people to know how they can get involved, because I'm sure you're always looking for volunteers to come and help as well.
0: We are, we're always looking for volunteers. And we do a pretty good job of making sure everybody knows when our meetings are. We've been hosting our meetings on, is it the second Thursday night of the month, second Wednesday night of the month. We change that around a little bit, but if you watch our Facebook page and our social media outlets, like say, we keep a good, we do a good job of informing people on when we're going to be having meetings, what's going to be going on at the meetings, what it's about. Yeah. And like back to the, the project things, we're always looking for good projects. Sometimes we get a lot of project proposals and maybe they're not, what the, maybe they don't fit what we're looking for at that time, but yeah,
1: projects. So guys, what does mule deer mean to you? That's a question. Truly. I I love conservation. I love these organizations and I think everybody needs to get involved in their communities with their grassroots grassroots local organization, right? And this one's right in our backyard. I've been supporting you guys and been coming for years, but I want to know what do mule deer mean to both Blake and Rowdy.
0: Mule deer to me, I've been, I've been a mule deer enthusiast since I was a, a small child. And let's be honest, it for me, it started with big bucks. What's cooler than a big buck mule deer. And 45 years later, I still love it. It, it has shaped the person I am. It, it dictates what I do throughout the entire year. I can already tell you that I have my calendars already full from September through November with things based solely around mule deer. And for me, like you talked about conservation. I've been a I've have been a taker of the the resource for a long time and have been able to enjoy that resource for a long time. For me, it's a no-brainer becoming part of this organization because I wanted to give something back. I want I have three kids. I want them to enjoy the same type of opportunities that I had growing up. So yeah, Mule Deer, that it's just it's made me who I am today. And I, I think that's a pretty honest statement on my behalf.
3: Yeah, not to beat a dead horse, but mule deer in their own way are very unique and they're not like any other deer species and they're not like hunting elk at all. I think mule deer by far my favorite thing to hunt. And as Rowdy said it probably best as far as mule deer hunters, we spent a lot of time and thought and effort into harvesting a mule deer. And this gives us a great resource and a way to try to make sure that they're still on the landscape. In 50, 100 years, we've already seen a huge decline in just, you can say five years, not only hunting, but just total overall numbers period that things don't look like they used to. So the best time to start is now.
2: So on the numbers, how are things looking 2024? What's the outlook?
0: I guess speaking from a non-scientific, non-biologist standpoint, you guys, you do the same thing we do. We have these conversations every day. and. When you talk to just about every everybody, I don't think anybody has a, a really good outlook on mule deer, especially after what happened last winter. Our deer numbers are in the they're in the tank. Just looking around here in our backyard, looks like area 157. With the, not only did we have a bad winter last year, but the CWD. This thing's real, and and where does it end? I don't think any of us know. It's scary. We have these conversations all the time, and I'm almost scared to think that maybe someday that. Being able to hunt a mule deer is going to be like hunting a sheep or a moose Is Now it's going to be extremely hard to get tags and you're not going to get to go yourself with your own tag very much. And we talk a lot about hunting, but <clears throat> it's just sad not seeing the deer on the landscape. I think we all enjoy seeing deer period, whether we're hunting them or not, but no, it's scary. I haven't talked to one person that has said anything different anywhere in the state.
2: How about you, Blake? What's your outlook?
3: Yeah. right here locally, speaking on the CWD fact, numbers were extremely down as far as harvest rates go. We had a good conversation with Lisa Robinette at Waikota Meat Processing. She told us that she butchered less than 10 mule deer all year last year, and zero came out of 157 right here in our backyard. That's obviously very concerning. And then looking at CWD test rates, upwards to 90% of deer tested in 157 were positive. That alone is extremely alarming and it's something that hopefully we can get a handle on, but it, it doesn't look pretty at the moment.
2: Yeah. A lot of people I've talked to say that 2023 was the perfect storm because you have CWD and then you have the worst winter we've ever had and mule deer just didn't fare too well. And so it. It's a huge concern, and there's a lot of us that grew up mule deer hunting here in Wyoming, (laughs) including myself. And I'm really sad to see that everything's plummeted, especially now that my kids are getting to that hunting age. And I was lucky enough to see my daughter harvest an elk this year, but like mule deer, it's just, it's pretty bleak. But that's why the work that you guys are doing is so important. And that's why it's so important as sportsmen, if we really care about that resource to get involved and attend these banquets and and do these fundraisers, because the money doesn't just come out of thin air. And that's why it's so critical for people to show up and step up and, and help out with this. And as far as like deadlines and, and things like that, like when do people need to be signed up, ideally what for you guys as organizers, what, how can we help you as far as getting signed up in a timely manner and having everything ready to go?
0: Last year, we were sold out the first week of March, which that helps us out a bunch. We can let our caterer know what we're looking at. We know exactly what we need to have set up in the building that night to give everybody the best experience possible. But I would say hesitate to get your tickets. Tickets are selling. We just looked at ticket sales this morning and things are going well. I would venture to say that by mid-February, end of February, we'll be sold out and back to where we were last year with just people calling every day, wanting tickets to the banquet they're they're in the month of March and we just, we don't have them available. So if you plan on going or you want to go, I would get my tickets sooner than later.
2: Good deal. Um, I will be in Florida, so I won't be there, but I'm sure David's probably trying to figure out how to attend. David, are you going to be able to go this year?
1: I've got to sit down with the uh, scheduling boss and make sure, but it, <laughs> as long as my schedule's open, I plan to come every year. And Perfect. Uh, it's it's a great event. It's been a good time. I've been coming for, I think my first one was 15, 14. It's just a it's a good night. It's a good time to get together and talk about conservation and put some boots on the ground work and help support some guys that are actually out there, whether it's deer crossing, whether it's fence projects, whether it's youth onsite and collecting this data. One of the data points I want to talk on, though, is I did go over to uh, one of Wyoming's premier units last year and hunted 12 days straight, trying to break that 200-inch. Blake and I have talked about this a little bit, right? There was no deer there, guys. There was zero deer there. And by zero, I typically, in a five-day hunt, see 110, 120 bucks, and we're, we're spending a lot of time glass and judging. We saw 12 bucks in 12 days. So... I'm not going back. I'm just not going to go back that premium year for a couple of years till I hear that, oh yeah, they're bouncing back. And is now the right time to start looking at suspending some doe hunts, maybe going to, you know, a different style tag allocation, but I don't think it's pure hunter pressure. The winter wasn't hunter pressure. CWD isn't hunter pressure, but how can we give these mule deer a boost? Can we reduce some predators? Can we Think outside of the box, habitat, feed, predators. It's all plays a key vehicle mentality. It used to be, you guys know, driving from our warehouse into Riverton, there was always a vehicle mortality on the side of the road around Kinnear, around Pavilion, around Crowheart. Always always a fresh one on the side of the road. And it's not that way anymore because we don't have the deer anymore. So it's time to start having some of these conversations deeper about how do we protect Honestly, one of my favorite species by far.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of the meeting that we held the other night. A lot of these conversations came up. People got to be more involved. We've been in the mindset forever that nothing's going to change. They've already got their minds made up. But I, I don't believe that. I know Blake don't believe that. I just think it's time that people band together. We band together as a group. I know we have all these subgroups, and we often we find ourselves fighting amongst one another, but as hunters, as mule deer enthusiasts, we all have to come together with, Well, have the same goal. We want to see more deer on the landscape. And what is that going to
3: take? What's your thoughts, Blake? Yeah, I, we brought up some interesting topics and we all, well, Rowdy's mentioned this public meeting that we've had and all of those topics that you brought up has come as far as is general tags a good thing? Do we need to move to limited quota? Do we need more research? Is it predators? Is it highway fatality? We had probably a, a list of 10 to 15 problems and maybe four to five solutions to these problems come up and that were very adamant at these meetings after we broke into kind of subcommittees and uh, we had more private in-depth conversations. And it's difficult to say what's the clear cut solution obviously but the things that we control highway fatalities the Kemmer project highway pro- crossing project got funded so that's a great win for mule there in that part of the world and like rowdy said the highway 20 789 that is next on the radar for being most important to get funded so that's con- those two things right there are going to save a lot of deer i just wish we would have started funding these 50 years ago rather than 10 years ago, we'd be so much farther ahead just because they're 19, $20 million projects. That's not money you come up with overnight or even in two years. And then winter mortality obviously took a huge hit and I respect game and fish for doing a lot of research as far as is feeding deer the right thing to do or not the right thing to do different things like that. Cause everybody has an opinion and a solution but have they done the scientific research to see if it's actually something plausible that will actually make a difference. And I think game and fish is doing a good job at actually uh, coming up with a lot of those solutions. And we like to fund research projects. That's not just with game and fish and go outside of that and work with some other people as well. So I think that's the best thing we can do in what seems to be pretty bleak as far as what can we do.
0: Yeah, we just can't throw our hands in the air. I think that would be pretty simple at this point to just throw your hands in there and say, well, meal deer, for all lack of better terms, are just in the the tank. But we can make this work. It's been done hundreds of years ago without all the technology that we have at our fingertips today. Man-made animals come back and flourish, and we can look at a, many different cases. And, and not only do we have that history, but we have technology. We can make this work. It's just going to take people banding together with one common goal and leaving behind their own personal goals at the end.
2: I think it's great that you guys are on the forefront. You're the tip of the spear getting the work done, right? And you're actively out there taking your personal time and investing it in Mule Deer and this organization that helps Mule Deer. So. Again I, I think it's great what you guys are doing. Hopefully we can get a bunch of people to show up and, and help but one of the things I wanted to ask you about is we had the fundraiser last year and I think it was a big success but can you talk about you know how that went and then the things that happened since then because I saw you had some youth hunts and different stories with that but can you recap some of the things that came out of the event last year, the fundraiser last year and Jim Shockey
3: coming? yeah why don't you take that one blake oh boy money wise i think we did extremely well just in our live auction alone i think uh, we grossed ninety thousand dollars a big portion of that was for the the wyoming predator board over thirty thousand went to that they sold a commissioner tag at our banquet and that money obviously goes to the predator board which in turns helps eliminate the predator issues not only for the livestock people, but for mule deer, which I think is a a big problem that we're facing right now as far as mountain lions and black bears in certain parts of the world that are really taking a huge hit on mule deer and other wildlife as well. The biggest things we did this year was we sat down as a big committee and we looked at our bank account and said, what is the best bank for our buck? And we got a lot of projects that were allocated to us that uh, we did not fund just for the point of we looked at him and said, I don't think this is worth our money as far as it's not going to have the biggest, greatest impact for mule deer right now, or maybe not even in the long term. So That probably sounds bad that we didn't fund projects, but the point was, was we, did, we wanted to treat this money like it was our own, and we wanted to use it the best way possible that we could. So a lot of the money we still have in the bank right now and we hope to expand on that and make a bigger impact with it. Like Rowdy said earlier, though, we did fund some projects, like the cheat grass project. We did do some good things with that money, but I think the most important thing we did with it was we didn't waste it.
0: We're not, and I've said this a hundred times. We're not the government. We're not just going to spend money or put time on timelines on when we need to spend the money. Like said, if it isn't the right fit or the right project, we'll just we'll hold on to the money until that that comes along. I mean, other good things that we've done over the, the course of the year, this committee has grown from literally five, six people to now 30 plus people. We have a very active chapter. Everybody takes it very serious. Everybody's very in in tune with the goals. It's just, it's been an amazing past year and a half. You hit on it. We've been able to, we've been able to fund three, putting the U and hunt for kids with life-threatening illnesses. Those are amazing. Not only is that an amazing experience for the kids that get to come out and partake in them, but it's an amazing experience for us that get to go along. And we're getting a lot of youth initiatives started with this chapter. I think that's you hit on it, or I think earlier, maybe in a, a question that you guys ask on your questionnaire, but yeah, if we don't recruit kids into this sport, it will die. And I think we're trying to take a very active role in recruiting youth to not only hunting, but just enjoying wild things and the outdoors.
2: Yeah. I think each generation has that kind of task of getting the next generation involved. So we're at that point, all, all four of us, it's like, what are we doing to help get the next round of kids involved and actively involved? And not only just the hunting aspect, but the conservation aspect and the stewardship. And so I think that's what's really great about your organization is it op- offers opportunities for people to get involved and be active stewards of that resource. Because a lot of times people are just like, hey, I can just put money in the in the hat to help support this. But what you guys have that's a little bit different, yeah, do that. But also, Hey, why don't you come help us with this project? we we need boots on the ground. We need people out there helping get these things done. Otherwise they don't happen just like stuff that I'm interested in. It's like fish habitat projects, pond cleanups, river cleanups, those kind of things, they don't happen by themselves. There's gotta be somebody down there doing it. And that's, right. what's really awesome about what you guys are doing. And so I'm pretty stoked about it. I think, you know, yeah, it is a bleak outlook. But we have people that care. And to your point, Rowdy, hundreds of years ago, what did people do? They said, we don't have enough forage in these areas for the animals. So let's you know, get rid of some of this forest and burn it down and the grass grows. And guess what? The animals come back. There's just, there's things that, to your point, we can do. We have a lot more technology now. We have a lot more research. We have people that are actively paid to do this full-time with the Game and Fish and Wildlife. Uh, University of Wyoming has researchers that are working on it actively now. And so how do we pull all those people together to get something done to save these animals? And you guys, again, like I said, I congratulate you because you are the tip of the spear because you're the people that are on the ground doing this, living this every day. I think hunters don't get enough credit for the stewardship and the conservation that we do, because really without us, it doesn't happen at all because nobody's funded.
0: And nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. The hunters are a very compassionate group of people, no matter what anybody says or thinks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love what we do. The funding aspect of this deal is like Blake said, you come to our banquet and guess what, them dollars that you spend at that banquet, they're going to get spent right here. And if they're not spent right here in Fremont County, they're going to get spent somewhere in Wyoming. So it's an amazing funding uh, model. Uh, we're super proud of how that works. The people that do all the the hard work and put all the effort into making this happen, have a say in how that's money spent or say how that money is spent. And like Blake said, at, at that point it almost becomes like it's your own money and you d- you don't want to waste it away on just frivolous things. So, I think we've done a very good job of taking care of the bank account. We don't fund anything that we don't fully all agree on. And at the end of the day, we're going to do great things here.
2: I agree. Is there anything else you guys want to cover or tell folks about what you're doing or how they can be involved?
0: Like I say, keep an eye on all our social media outlets. We're very good at letting people know when we're going to be having meetings, when we're going to be hosting things like the mule deer summit. Like you said, if we need boots on the ground for projects, we'll let people know. But yeah, if you're interested in making a difference here in, in and around Fremont County with mule deer and Alexa, for all intents and purposes, other wildlife, come and join our team. It's a great team. And at the end of the day, you'll be proud to be part of it.
1: So my two cents to add for anybody listening out there who's new to the conservation model, new to organizations like this, is what's really cool is the lion's share of the money you guys raise goes right back into conservation. You guys aren't employed making a living doing this. This is all holistically for the benefit of mule deer. And if you're out there thinking about an organization to donate to, certainly this is a great one by far. Your your dollars are going to go the farthest picking an organization who does these, all the things you guys, all your outreach programs. And as I think about it, Wyoming has mineral, natural gas. We have farming, ranching, and then we have tourism as our economies. And, you know, people are coming to Wyoming to A, see our natural resources and the beauty, but also the wildlife. And so without the wildlife, we, we don't have the tourism that we have and we need to keep it. We need to do everything we can, whether that's have these discussions about where to put high fence, you know, road crossing, have the discussion about where to remove predators, have the discussion about noxious weed removal. I think having the debate and the discussion being open-minded and and doing that is, is beneficial. But if you're wondering why you should or shouldn't donate to any organization, look at the financial structure. And a lot of these that out there are claiming to be holistic and for the benefit of wildlife, the majority of their money is going to line somebody's pocket if, Instead of donating to one of those, pick these
2: guys. Yeah, well, that because donating to a local organization is also a lot better because I can go and see Rowdy or Blake and actively talk to them face to face about where the money is going and have that conversation. So that's a big deal.
3: Yeah, but we're very transparent. Yeah, not only are we right here, but and we do this strictly volunteer. But we also have a great friendship and relationship with uh, the guys at headquarters, uh, we can text them seven days a week if we have any questions or concerns. And there's not many organizations that are like that as far as people within chapters of a main organization can talk to the CEO or the CFO really anytime, let alone seven days a week. So we're pretty privileged at that aspect to have a great relationship with headquarters and they're right here in Wyoming. And if we need anything there, they're more than willing to help and, uh, they're great people. Very cool guys. It's always a privilege to have you
2: guys on. I admire both of you. You're doing great work. Thank you for taking the time to be on here. We'll get this out in the next few weeks and get, hopefully get you a full banquet and get a bunch of money raised. Yeah. Thanks again for coming on the Radcast Outdoors podcast. We always love having you.
0: All right. Thanks a bunch guys.
2: Yep. appreciate you, it. You guys have a good one. Stay warm out there.
0: All right, we'll talk
2: to you later. All right, see you guys. Thanks again for listening to the Radcast Outdoors podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. If so, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Carbon TV, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to this podcast and subscribe, share, and give us a five-star rating, which helps other people find the show. You can find all of our shows, recipes, giveaways, videos, and much more at ragcastoutdoors.com. Please don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We also have a Ragcast community on Facebook called Ragcast Nation. We'd love for you to join in the conversation there. And of course, please help support our sponsors who make this show possible. Thanks again to PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Until next time, get out there and enjoy the outdoors.